When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing great. I go to college in like two weeks. Uh, fun, fun times. Doing Dos good. Semanas. Yeah, dos semanas. Um, Doing good. Yankees are not doing good, but I'm doing good. The Red no bueno. Sox are not doing good. No bueno. Yeah, no bueno for the Yankees and Red Sox lately. Um, but we've got actually a lot to talk about today. Um, and we're going to start off with um, one of the greatest things I've ever seen in a Major League Baseball game. LJ, take it away. Yeah, so we've got Rodolfo Castro of the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is running the bases and is making a play heading in head first, right, into third yeah. base. And what comes flying out of his pocket but his cell phone. This has been the media story of the day and one that's gaining a lot of attention, especially late now, as it sounds like the league is now – analyzing and looking into what exactly was going on with him having his phone in his pocket during a game. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he was trying to, to use his phone to cheat in, in any way. Um, if that's what the league is looking at, um, sorry, but that's just not, not it. Um, if he is trying to cheat, he's doing a terrible job because he's not a good hitter. Um, but <laughs> Let me tell you right now, this man just became one of my new favorite players because of this. Just strapped with the phone. Like, hey, if he's got to text someone important, he's got to answer an important phone call, he's got it out there with him um, at, in the infield. Um, now, my question is, though, can you only do headfirst slides? Because – no joke, my I know someone when I was playing Little League Baseball on my team and he slid feet first into second base with his phone in his back pocket and completely shattered the screen on it. 
So you're saying that this hindered his strategy abilities and his overall effectiveness on the field? No, because he could. It's not like he can't slide feet first. It's just no, but he's not going to make that business decision. Well, also, clearly he doesn't care that much about his phone, and neither did the kid on my little league team. Um, <laughs> they didn't care. They don't care. Well, much I would say he cares less about the baseball than the phone. Yeah, if he, that, if he cared that little about the phone, he wouldn't have it with him. Well, LJ, what I can tell you is he's he's a businessman. He's got. I'm a businessman making doing business. Yeah. What if? Yeah, you know, who knows what he's what he what he needs it for? Clearly, something. Um. Yeah. To look at this a little larger scale, Rodolfo Castro. I feel bad for the guy. You know, 23 still could have quite the career left ahead of him you know, now 45 days into his major league career isn't exactly uh, much to be analyzing, but this is still a guy who can bring something to this team, especially with, you know, some of these power grades are very, very good for this guy, but he's going to kind of be made an example of because baseball does need to get rid of the opportunity or the ability for this for two reasons. One is the cheating. I doubt that he was using it to cheat, but the ability to relay signs, relay directives that way if you're on the field, but also the very concept of having it in the dugout is brings you the option of a lot more different opportunities and angles for video and video work during a game, which is a process of legality that has been changing quite a bit and varies from year to year in the league as they're trying to figure out how to go into this technology age where everyone wants to do all this advanced work in real time. So, I mean, I mean, you look at uh, everything that happened with like JD Martinez in 2020 and stuff like that. All of a sudden you do have a phone, you have access to a lot of different broadcasts and a lot of different information um, from there. In addition to what your team has, but, but your, your team I should say, like, they have a bunch of screens there and iPads that the players use all the time. Oh, yes, they, they do. They, but those, and they but have those other are... games on in the dugout that are ongoing, like, uh, that uh, you know. Those, those are all, though, again, insures league-approved stuff. Mm. It's very hard to hide what you're putting on the big screens in the dugout. Yeah. Or the tablets in the dugout honestly my bigger reason for saying the league's going to step in and actually make some form of statement based on this is it's trashy as hell the very concept of have first of having your phone on the in your pocket when you're running the bases at bat is trashy and it's just as trashy i think to have your phone out and to be texting or on social media while you're sitting in the dugout. I don't I don't know what his reason was for having it on him. It doesn't really matter because it's all about the optics. And if you see a player on their phone that gets caught on camera, that isn't a good look for the league. It starts getting into, again, and once you get into um, 70s NBA, 2000s MLS type area of respect for the game and professionalism, your, your sport's going to start falling downhill. And, I like the 2000s MLS. Just yeah, that was a rough scene. Look, like it, like it or like not, ninety percent of the league didn't care about anything. Anything, and, and that's 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 kind of the way you're. That's the precedent you're setting by just saying, "Oh yeah, you can have your phone in the dugout. It is what it is. You can make you know make calls, text anybody, do all make that. That's not stuff that has to happen in the middle of the game. Make, like, how come they can't make TikToks though? that's another thing that just again i don't know especially to this isn't to belittle athletes but for the most part there is maybe you're maybe working four hours a day where you can't do that you're working longer than that but all that time in the clubhouse all that time stretching pre-game you can do whatever after the game yeah 
before the, pretty much before the game, the only thing you can, I can think of is you're taking infield or hitting the 10, the 10 minutes worth of BP you're getting. Like other than that, you're stretching you you got your headphones and you have your phone on you. You have so much free time or time for you to use in your own manner that you can use your phone whenever you want in terms of uninterrupted elongated periods of time. You've got maybe three hours. You can't be on your phone. Are you not able to handle that? And there's nothing exchange for $500,000 a year. Yeah. But also like I am almost a hundred percent certain that guys like, especially starting pitchers that aren't pitching that day or players that get even subbed out of the game or even in between innings are going back to the clubhouse and looking at their phone. You can't tell me that there's not some guys that, that do that. Yeah. But again, this goes into out of sight, out of mind. I don't right. really no, know exactly. what's going on in yeah, the clubhouse. Exactly. Right. It's a matter of the look and the respect for the product you're putting out there that you're not bringing it into the field of play, the area of play, I should say. The dugout in the clubhouse, I think should be treated differently. No, I agree. Because I mean, I you agree. have guys who will full on, who full on game in the clubhouse too. So, like, you know, there's a lot different bar for that. Well, LJ, do we want to talk about the Tigers for a minute? We always want to talk about the Tigers. How bad is their offense right now? Oh, it's really bad. Um, and I think that that's a big reason for the news that we're going to be talking about here. Um, well, LJ, I can tell you their offense is 28th in batting average, 29th in on-base percentage, 30th in OPS, 30th in runs scored, 30th in home runs, and 29th in stolen bases. That's not good, Brandon. No. Um, LJ, the Tigers have fired their general manager, Al Avila. Um, he was both executive vice president and GM. This is effective immediately. Uh, Sam Menzen, who was vice president and assistant general manager, he will be the day-to-day contact uh, for the team. Um they're going to be looking for someone else. But Alavila, this is a guy that's worked for the Tigers for 22 years. He's been the GM since when Dave Dombrowski left the Tigers back in 2015. And it's not wrong to say – I'd say it's pretty fair to say that the, the team has been in a pretty heavy rebuild for his entire tenure. Like, literally – from the second he took the helm until now. Um, yeah, it's it's been tough times, and ultimately tough times give you a little bit of leeway. Like, you brought this guy in to build this team to his vision, and when, it's a re- when his vision is a rebuild such as this, you got to wait for it to all work itself out and, you know, gain direction. Clearly, what we've seen here is a team that should be ready to start pushing into its competitive window. They've got plenty of high-level talent, high-level prospects that are coming up and starting to work their way into regular time. And I know a lot of things have gone wrong. The top three pitching prospects and their top free agent or second, one of their top free agent grabs have been on the – IL and restricted list for the majority of the season. One of them didn't even start the year on the team. And how about the, how about the guy, the uh, two big trades that they made? How have those guys been doing? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I, I just, I'm not, I guess my point is I'm not going to hurt them based on record. Like them being 43 and 69. I don't care about that right now because so many of these important pieces to this team are not here. And, you know, that, that makes it hard. That makes it really tough when you're trying to be a rising team, not a team that's already there and already a contender and already playing deep enough. Where my issue lies is in the, for the most part, intact 
offense. I mean, Austin Meadows, yes, that's a that's that's a loss. You had not having him for the last um, what would be a month and a half now, probably. He's, he's been, been yeah, he's been dealing with a bunch of different injuries though. This isn't his first injury he's had this year. No. But really, he's the only guy that's had significant injury issues, I guess, out of this yeah. offense. Oh, yeah. And across the board, they've been downright terrible. Spencer Torkelson's not even on the roster anymore. Like that, it's your number one overall pick. Exactly. And it's, it's one of those situations where I'm like, or if I'm, if I'm the ownership of the Tigers is really what I'm trying to say here. I have to step in and make a change going forward before things get worse. And we start, we get uh, bogged down into 10 more years of irrelevancy and waste the prime of some really promising pitchers here with my Scabal Turnbull. Um, You can't waste that stuff. Same thing with Riley Green and Torkelson. Once he gets, you know, once he gets the bat going. Ultimately, they need fresh blood, fresh ideas to come in and completely rework this lineup, this bench, everything. Honestly, I leave the entire pitching staff untouched. It's just a matter of this lineup, which was our concern going into the season, and it's somehow worse than our expectations were for it. With this move happening, I also find it find myself very pessimistic that A.J. Hinch will make it to next season as the manager of the Tigers. I gave him a lot of respect and a lot of um, hype and potential going into year two because things went so well the first year. And, you know, he's got the track record. He's got a World Series ring that usually can bring success. But looking at the same stuff, he should be, in my opinion, almost as liable, maybe not as liable, but close to as liable as the general manager for how poorly this offense is performing. Because ultimately it comes down to a lot of his philosophy, his strategy, not working, not being able to maximize what little they have. I mean, we've seen some bad, bad teams or bad offenses. When you look at numbers, still find ways to win and still find ways to put up numbers. There isn't a ton of talent on Tampa. Like this is Tampa isn't a stacked lineup, but they still find a way to get enough runs across the board to make it work. Same thing with Cleveland. Those teams are both teams like Detroit's going to be are very pitching oriented teams that find ways to make their lineups work with what they have. A lot of that comes to good manage management, managerial decisions, lineup construction, the whole nine yards. Clearly, that's not happening in Detroit. You bring a new guy in, let him bring in his own guy, and that's probably the best way for future success for this group. Yeah, and usually I don't like just firing the manager for no reason, especially a guy who, who, you know, through it all, I still think A.J. Hinch is, is a pretty good baseball manager, even with whatever that happened but when you have multiple guys that got worse since we last saw them you know there's you have to put point the blame on someone um yes not every player is going to be good every single year but a guy like Akil Badu he's only at 100 plate appearances this year and I was really big on him last year. He has been terrible. I mean, this is awful numbers from him. Uh, Tucker Barnhart, who you trade for. Uh, OTP legend. OTP legend, Tucker Barnhart. Trade for him before the lockout. He's been awful. Uh, you know, Spencer Torkelson. Thought that he was your guy, your number one overall pick in 2020. And the only reason you got that pick was because Pablo Sandoval hit a walk-off homer in game 162 for the Giants in 2019. So they could beat you by a by one game in the in the in the win-loss column. Um, 
it's just there's been multiple guys that have not performed. Javi Baez, who you went and gave a huge contract to, is still swinging away at everything uh, as per usual and has not been hitting well. I mean, I don't need to say, uh, you know, I don't need to really go through anyone else because you guys get the point. This is just a roster that does not hit. And and I don't want to point fingers, but I, I will say I, I think – I know definitely myself, but I think both of us as a whole, we're all over the fact that Javi Baez is a terrible fit for this team. Like I have no idea why the Tigers didn't go after a bigger shortstop. If they were willing to spend all this money, like, dude, you spend... You can't, you can't tell me that they don't have, at minimum, similar... I don't know, maybe Buxton pulls more weight than I think he do, we think he does, but... I feel like the Tigers could have pulled Correa if they really wanted to. That's what I'm saying. Like and Correa went to a small market. Correa is a consummate leader who is like, he's just a clear choice because he's, and he's good all around. So he's going to be able to, you know, mentor, mentor that infield when it comes from a d- defensive standpoint, he's going to be the leader out there controlling, commanding the field. And then he's also going to be able to be a really positive influence from both a strategic, well, not, not both strategic, it's all strategic, but like the mental side, the physical side, leading by example, all of that from an offensive perspective, he can give you all of that. So he really could have made a difference, I think, on this team. But back on Hinch real quick, I exactly see what you're seeing. Agree with what you're saying, you know? it's not right to just immediately blame the manager. And I'd like to actually make this comparison with Joe Girardi in Philadelphia. And that's not to say that either of those decisions, the hypothetical hinge one or the firing of Joe Girardi are wrong, but I think Detroit's much more justified in this at this point because they have actual data to back it up. Like this is the guy who's supposed to be getting the best out of the roster he has. And you look at these this offense across the board, and there isn't a single redeeming thing about this team's offensive output this year. Meanwhile, you have Philly, who, granted, the numbers that they have offensively and uh, in the pitching have all greatly improved since Girardi left, but they were still at least top half in the league. I mean, this is a team that's sixth best in runs. Maybe we'll give them, give them top 10, give them 10th, in runs scored with Joe Girardi was there. I don't know the exact number would be, but I'm going to ballpark somewhere around there. Like this wasn't a statistically bad team. They just weren't performing up to the expectations of the fan base and up to the expectations of their payroll. And that's why he left. He left because of wins and losses, which are determined by so many crazy factors, most of which are out of his control. Whereas the deficiencies that AJ Hinch is showing in Detroit, those are clearly like we're looking at specific pieces of the job, and he's not doing a good job at those pieces. Speaking of Philly, um, Zach Wheeler is like back. Don't start. He's doing the he he's. Pulling a Zach Wheeler from last year. He's doing the exact same thing. He's just going to have all these big inning starts from now through the end of the season, and he's going to get Cy Young votes for it. He will get actually pitching better this year, I think, than he was last year. Yeah, I mean, from a statistical standpoint, sure, everything but the strikeout numbers are looking really, really solid here. And the FIPS a little lower. Yep. But, yeah, no, more higher. But overall, lower. yeah, this is a good year. Let's talk about what the potential ramifications of that are, though, because to in my memory, and I'll turn it over to you to talk about this in a second, and I'll look properly. I don't remember him slowing down much at the end of 2021. So all of a sudden, you give this guy the opportunity. No, he did not by any means. Um, his yeah, last, I was gonna say his, I thought his month his of September month. six innings shut out, six six and two thirds, one earned, 
five innings, one earned, six innings, one earned, seven innings, one earned. His, yeah, from August to the end of the season, his ERA dropped by 2.23. Like, that's a significant jump for that, that point in the season. He was doing some of his best stuff late. If he's doing his best stuff in this back half of the season and late in the season again, that makes this team even stronger going into the postseason. Like he he could be a legitimate menace. I can't even think of the last guy that's been potentially this dominant late in the season to be on a postseason team. Uh, Justin Verlander. Yes. Or, or a Garrett, actually, no, a Garrett Cole in 2019. He went like yep. 24 starts in a yeah, row where the, where the start, Astros he won. Lose since, the, since June, right? It, for him, it was literally since, like, May 5th yeah. through, like, the ALDS into Game 3 of the ALCS in 2019. The Astros had played 24 games when he was starting. They'd won every single game, and he was 18-0. and 0. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly replacement stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service guard appliance repair program from black hills energy it's peace of mind in a plan visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more whether it's baker's simple truth turkey or mac and cheese with murray's english cheddar or pie made with fresh, cosmic, crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a scary year. And... He, the name brought fear. I mean, if he hadn't run, if they hadn't run into the best Red Sox team of all time, you, you're oh, I'm talking, talking about 19. I'm talking 2019. Oh, oh, that's right. That was 19. Again, miracle team. But still, yeah. <laughs> that's back-to-back years where he was, was pitching well. You don't hit 200 innings without pitching well late in the season. Back-to-back years leading the league in strikeouts per nine. Um I think I think my statement holds true on either side. Like it took remarkable men and remarkable performances to bounce this guy's team from the playoffs. And he wasn't yeah. even particularly bad in either of those stretches. No. Yeah. And when you're talking about heading into the playoffs on like a super hot stretch, his last nine games of that stretch, uh Nine and zero, the team won every game. He went seven and zero. You're talking sixty-one and two-thirds innings, a one-six-one ERA, a hundred ten strikeouts, ten nine walks. And it's, in that stretch, he got blown up twice in the postseason. Out of yeah, um, what is this five seven? Yeah, two out of seven starts were blow-up starts, and that's by our like Cy Young metric, so it wasn't even that bad. Like six, You're not going to be that upset with six innings, four earned. Exactly. Well, let's hope we can get that same Garrett Cole back because, damn. I wouldn't say. That was fun to watch. Um, well, LJ, should we at least talk about a few injuries? I know that like it, it's – it's it's hard for us to really just like read off injuries because like anyone can go and do that, but at least like the the big ones um, and like the funny ones which we have with with, with Chris Sale, um, LJ. So Chris Sale is, yeah, I'll take it. The Red yeah, Sox he... announced Tuesday that Chris Sale suffered a fractured right wrist, quote, during a bicycle accident on Saturday, August sixth. Injury required surgery that will end sales 2022 season. He's expected to be ready to get hurt at the start of spring training. Yeah. 
that's about it. Um, where do we want to start unpacking this? Um, another unsuccessful season for Chris Sale. I do have the math here at some at some point. Whenever you want to take it away, I can try to pull that back up in terms of sure. here it is actually. Um, he's making one point two five million dollars per out this year. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. As for this actual injury, I'm not surprised in the slightest. This man, you know, not only does not only does he get the fluky stuff and his body can't take certain things, but he puts himself in bad situations a lot too. And this becomes just one of them. I mean, this is what you get for trying to go carbon neutral. Like, look, bro, if if he's in a car, does this happen? No, um, no, and it's not the first bicycle accident we've seen by a major league baseball player this year that has put them out of action. Fernando Tatis it was a motorcycle, um, and he's still out of action. All right, at least it was a motorcycle, though. I think this is genuinely the most pathetic one even with us not knowing the full situation. I mean, President Biden fell off with it stationary. He didn't get hurt. Chris Sale managed to get hurt on what better have been a casual bike ride. If he's trying to do some Tour de France stuff out here in, uh, I don't, I don't even, I can't, oh my gosh. In Boston. There, there, I was going to pick a suburb and then, there was too many to pick from. Um, <laughs> the problems with Boston, there's just 10 million suburbs. So you get my point. If he's trying to do some Tour de France stuff through the streets of Boston, then, you know, he has it coming. But assuming this is a casual, like, you know, get your day warmed up and started or pedaling off to the, to the uh, field to watch the game for the day, something like that, then this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen to manage to get hurt on, on a bike. Carbon neutral Chris is not in my uh, good good graces right now, but the Red Sox aren't generally either. Yeah, Chris Sale, um, this is not not a good look. Um, it's it's, and go. somehow not his worst look. We got to at least acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, this just, I don't know. Chris Sale, to me, there's been a lot of things where if, personally, because he's not on a team I support, I see no reason to like the guy. To be he just seems like a clubhouse cancer. Like, Part not... He seems like he's cool with his teammates, but he just does so much stuff on his own that it just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I will defend him as a teammate because I have never heard a bad thing said about him. No, no, and, and honestly, it, like that's not what the I'm amount saying. of support he gives, especially on rehab assignments, which you know he's got plenty of experience with at this point. Um, it's. You know, I, I won't give him that, that. However, you are right. If carbon neutral Chris had not been out on the field to strike out Manny Machado, my least favorite player in the league, into the shape of a K to win the World Series in 2018, I wouldn't really have a redeeming rationale for this guy. Like... You know, as much as, and again, that's not to me even talking about him pitch because watching him pitch is still fantastic baseball. Like it's not DeGrom level, but it's still some of the best pitching you're going to see. But when you look at the guy, when you try to root for the guy, he just isn't a likable personality. And it's just all the, it's the going rogue. It's the constantly getting hurt, you know, the trashing the Worcester club house, the, um belly button ring belly button the cutting up the uniforms in chicago can't forget about that 
I mean, the list that's what pretty much got him traded from Chicago. I mean, pretty like much. that was that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, so it's like I just you know he does so many things that just make it decreases likability outside of the people who know him, and you know in baseball is as, as much a business as any other, and I don't see how you can just continue to hurt your brand so consistently with so many different things and in so many such a variety of ways. I mean, he has a legitimate chance to make. Well, I don't know if he can make the Hall of Fame anymore, just losing two full seasons. But, you know, through his through 2019, he had a legit chance to make the Hall of Fame. And now with no no 2020, limited 29 or limited 2021 and pretty much no 2022. Um, I think you're underplaying it a little bit there respectfully, because I think. You know, 2019, you're, you're calling him a lock. Before, after 2018, you're talking about him as a lock. Oh for yeah, the Hall of Fame. If he just keep, if he just keeps playing, if he just and now like he might not even make. It. He 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 might not even like. If he was to retire in like three or four years from now, which would put him at 38, which you know, with the amount of injuries, at some point, you know, it might end sooner than you think. He might not even stay on the ballot through the first uh, year. It's just so hard as a pitcher to make it now. It's really hard. No, you're you're 100% right. And what are the differences here? The differences are, you know, first off, 45 war at age 30 looks a lot better then the 45 war at age 34, which is what he's going to be looking at when he gets back into that. And that's assuming that he is able to take that step back into being not 2019 Chris Sale, but 2018 Chris Sale, you know, or, or even beyond that as well. Like he needs to be spectacular when he comes back. He needs to be that, that true ace to get back into that track, to be back into that mojo. And in that time as well, let's go to 2021, where I think the biggest blow to his case comes, and that's him losing the strikeouts per nine record. Frankly, I think he he lost his case when he lost that record. And that's not to say it couldn't theoretically come back, but it's a tough road because you've got some really good strikeout pitchers out there um, coming up. And I'm not sure necessarily he's going to be able to put together seasons where he can increase that record and get back into that but you know if he were to have retired with the record and not necessarily the comparable war to like lock him in there or the comparable era having that level of strikeouts having that that strikeout rate is tremendous and having them be all-time records I think really should hold weight. Like reasonably, if you have some form of major all-time record, you better be in the Hall of Fame. Do I think strikeouts per walk is means as much to me as strikeouts per nine? No, it doesn't. And I, I can't justify the, the rationale around that. Well, LJ, um, if you don't mind, we should move on to – one at least one more thing that I wanted to kind of touch on that was this weird flurry of moves that the Cubs made um lately they've been really busy um so they released Angelton Simmons they claimed Fran Mel Reyes from the Guardians and then they said that at the end of the season, they're going to be releasing Jason Hayward, who still has 2023 um, on his contract. He's contracted through next year. That's $22 million. But they said they're just going to flat out release him at the end of the season. Um, you know, first of all, why are you getting rid of Angelton Simmons? You're telling me that, yes, I know, like, I know he's been really bad this year, but 
for like a veteran guy in that clubhouse, the only person they have is like Jan Gomes. Look how young the team is. You need I I just feel like Angelton Simmons is is a great guy to have around. I I like the Fran Mel Reyes signing a lot actually. I think that that dude is only like really a year removed from being a really good hitter. Um and I don't know how to feel about the Jason Hayward thing. It's like if you've already been riding it out for so damn long paying him, you're going to just for the last year finally throw the towel in then? I don't know. So they're going to they're gonna let him run the contract out is what you said, correct? So, yeah, they're going to release him. So they still have to pay him, but he's just not going to be on the, on the team. He's they're going to release him, pro- like release him or wave him? Re, re release him release him like from the club so they're not even trying they're, they're not really even trying. trying because he's not even going to return from this injury this year that he has and they're just going to say all right we're going to release you so we have to pay that contract anyways but you're but you're not even going to be in our organization on our roster why not try? Because you have so many guys that like option years and like guys who are currently like have gone up and down and are on their option year. You know, I am not familiar with his injuries. So, you know, maybe he actually genuinely isn't able to come back this season. But let's That's say what he they're wasn't. saying is that is that he's not going to be able to come back this year. Not not going to be able like, I don't know. I do I believe that do you believe the Cubs? when they're trying to find reasons and excuses to not have him on their team anymore. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I really don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, again, my go-to is always to use the waivers. If I were a general manager, if you can get out of paying $50,000, then I see that as a win. Like if this is the if this is the last week of the season, and I just I need the guy off my roster because I need need the space. He's not coming back next year for us. I'll waive him because if some random team that either wants to take a look at him before they try to resign try to sign him in the off season, or they're a playoff team fringe playoff team that's desperately needs a little bit more depth to get them through November, even if he can't be with them long-term, there's plenty of different ways that players can find to be useful, even with the big contracts, when they get waived in the last year late. Like, being able to pick up these cheap guys can be huge for teams. And so if you can just save that tiny bit of money, why would you not? But obviously this isn't that The rickets are just... Scenario... Who knows what the the Cubs the last like three years have been such a roller coaster from getting beat in the playoffs by the Marlins in 2020 to whatever that 2021 was where they completely dismantle that core. Um, to now, this and it's point- just it's what's crazy to me too is you know, you look at this team. And this didn't have to happen by any means ever. I mean, other than just finances, I guess. But this, the way that they justified it at the time was that this team had run its course and that this team wouldn't be competitive. Like they'd they'd peaked and they wouldn't be able to compete for a World Series again. So let's tear this whole thing apart. I now look back to it and see this is by no means true and that there are other teams that are far older than this 2020 Cubs team was that are still getting it done in the league today. You know, I mean, for Pete's sake, let's look at the Giants. This is a team who, this is a core that peaked back in 2013, 2012. Like this team's, this group's prime has been gone for a while and yet they've still found ways to stay in contention for the division in contention for the playoffs in all these years. And maybe that isn't the best strategy to keep holding on, but they gave themselves a lot more shots than the Cubs are going to give themselves over that time period. 
and their stars were all much older at that time. Uh, the 2020 Cubs, keep in mind, this is a 34 and 26 team that finished first in the NL Central. Wilson Contreras, 28. Anthony Rizzo, 30. Jason Kipnis, 33. Javi Baez, 27. David Bodie, 27. Kyle Schwarber, 27. Ian Hapapa, 25. Jason Hayward, 30. Victor Caratini, 26. Chris Bryant, 28. Nico Horner was just coming up, 23. Guys like Albert Almora, uh, 26. And then you go into that pitching staff, and it's not that it's older, but it's not that far off. Kyle Hendricks, 30. Udarvish, 33, but he's still going plenty strong. John Lester, 36. Again, still a guy who had a couple more, proved to have a couple more better years than 2020 in him. And guys like Ryan Tapera, um, I, I don't need to keep going on this. The point of the story is there's they had so much more to give based on age alone. They, uh, if they didn't want to be cheap, this team could have found another way to turn the corner, this core. The core was not juiced out after one World Series. It's physically impossible. They should have never traded you, Darvish. That's, that's what, what really broke it for me. That's when I knew that, that something was up. It didn't make sense. It just didn't. The guy had a career year in 2020 and probably should have won the Cy Young, all things considered. Bauer was super, super good, but you Darvish was was right there with him. Um, with that and, said, they were both in the same division. No, yeah, exactly. And that's why it's tough. Um, it... You know, that return that they got for you, Darvish, you know, all these guys, all right, you got Zach Davies, who has not really done much, but, like, some of these other guys, is, is it, like, are, are, are any of these prospects they traded for currently top 100 prospects? Uh, what are the names again? Uh, hold on, I gotta look. All right, so there's two guys according to the pre 2022 baseball prospectus. Reginald Precado was at number 79, but he's 19 years old right now. And Owen Cassie, who's 20 years old, was at number 67 pre 2022. So, uh, what was the first name? Sorry. Reginald Preciado, P-R-E-C-I-A-D-O. Preciado? Preciado, yeah, sure. Um, all, all it shows on baseball references, baseball prospectus, pre-2022, number 79. Well, I'm not seeing him anywhere within the system, um, which means the, that's a... Uh, Stretch on baseball prospectus. I'm going through the fan graphs uh, rankings right now. They do not have Preciado around. And oh, uh, Casey is 97 on their list as well. So, no, that was out of all of the trades, that, the big trades that the Padres have made, that was probably the weakest in terms of value going the other way. Uh, LJ, I did pull up on fan graphs. You can go um, team by team in their prospect lists. It, if you're interested in what those two guys, how they rank for the Cubs, Cassie is third. He has a future value of 50 on the 20 to 80 scale. Percato is fifth. He has also a future value of 50. Um, in other lively breaking news, Cardinals prospect Chandler Redmond, four home runs, 11 RBIs in the game. That's both the most home runs and RBIs in Springfield Cardinals history. Sheesh. Sheesh. We got to bring that one back. Uh, yeah, four home runs. Oh, my God. Uh, hopefully... Someone, you know, bought him a nice meal after that. Uh, mm. 
That's that's something. You know, I've seen someone hit three home runs in a high school game. Never seen someone go for four. No, it's so hard because, again, you're really, unless it's a day where the whole team is running on all cylinders, you're not going to get more than four, possibly five at-bats. You know what? I lied. I saw Mookie Betts at a Yankees-Red Sox game. I saw him step to the plate with a chance to hit a four, and he ripped a double down the line instead. So, um, But I have seen a few games where a guy hit three home runs. Oh, well, that's why they call it a bingo, bingo, Yahtzee Supreme. So what's four? I don't think I have mental capacity to think about that tonight. Not tonight. Well, that's a tomorrow thing. That's a tomorrow. That's a tomorrow project. Well, tomorrow's team of the week. Um, But thank you for listening. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. We'll see you. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.